Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good to see each of you. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, praise team, for leading us in worship. Children have a blast in Children's Church. Look forward to hearing what, all that you're going to learn. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 6, we'll stand here in just a moment and uh, read this together. We want to continue our series of characters of faith. Characters of faith. Uh, this week we're going to look at Noah and Noah's life here, week three. Um, just want to say thank you uh, as you're turning to Genesis chapter 6. want to say thank you to all the men who came out yesterday, had a great time uh, just enjoying uh, men's breakfast. And, and for all of you who cooked, uh, even my son commented on our way home, Dad, there was some good food, wasn't it? I said, yeah, he's definitely a Varner, and so am I. And so if you get food into us, uh, we're right on board there with you. And so if you missed it, uh, we'll have another men's breakfast here in a few months. And uh, just thankful for all those who worked really, really hard uh, on that. We look forward to all the activities. Pastor David shared a little bit about uh, the different things going on and just would ask that you continue to pray. If you, if you uh, missed our last family dinner, uh, we handed out a, a yearly calendar, like special events. And so if you missed that and you need a copy, there's copies of those available uh, at the Welcome Center. And so you can grab one of those. If you grabbed one before, uh, just know that this one's already been adjusted. All right. And so that's the little fine print down at the bottom, the right hand side. Uh, all of these things are subject to change. And so uh, we've adjusted a few things already, um, but you can take a look at that and those are available to you. Um, Genesis chapter six, if you would, would you stand with me and let's read this together. Genesis six, five through 22. Genesis 6, 5 through 22, we're going to look at Noah. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them uh, with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it, the length of the ark. 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. 
Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds and of every creeping thing of the ground and according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. And take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank, thankful, Lord, for your word. Thankful for the blessing of being able to read it and to study it this morning. Lord, I pray that we would be hearers. We would be seers. Lord, that we would be so attentive to your spirit this morning and what you have to tell us. And in hearing that we would respond we would respond in obedience to what you're calling us to do, how you're calling us to live, how you're desiring for us to continue to walk with you. So, Lord, as we look at this character of faith in Noah, I pray that your blessing would be upon us and that we would see your face through this. It would strengthen our faith. It would challenge us. It would convict us, Lord, and it would lead us evermore before your presence. So we ask for your spirit to work in us this day. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Just thought of this. What if you had to stand the whole time? <laughs> Leah's like, whoa, that's a long time of standing when Pastor Aaron's preaching, right? I won't make you do that this morning. We see here in, uh, in Genesis chapter 6, this account, we, we aren't going to walk through all of chapter 7 and 8 and 9. I'll let, I'll let you read that later on this week and dig into it more. Um, but we do see in Hebrews 11 verse 6, um, this character of Noah, and so if you want to flip over there real quick, Hebrews chapter 11, then we'll jump back, but leave your finger there in Genesis. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. There's only one verse on Noah, um, but the verse is significant in what the author of Hebrews is trying to um, share with us about this character of faith. Again, he starts off in verse 7, by faith. All right, so it's by Noah's faith. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. We'll look at that a little bit more in just a moment. But we see here is this man who's listed, who's listed third here in our characters of faith. And so what do we know about Noah? So if we back up in Genesis, instead of chapter 6, back up into chapter 5, and let's look at verses 28 and 29 there. And it kind of gives us a glimpse. And so as the, as the hearer and the reader um, are, are hearing this text, all right, Genesis being read, they're walking through a progression, right? Adam. Adam lived this long, all right? And then we saw Seth, 
all right, and his line. And so the author goes kind of in a redundant, purposeful way as he's sharing. We saw last week Enoch was a break in that, all right? Enoch was different because he walked with God, and then he was no longer there. God took him um, to heaven. It continues, then let's pick up in verse 28 and 29. It goes through Methuselah and Lamech. Um, and then we see Lamech here in verse 28 of chapter 5 of Genesis. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toils of our hands. And then it goes back into that order again. So the writer here is making another break. It's helping us to see there's something coming. There's no other accounts of any other men and what they had to say about their, their, their sons. But we see here Lemech, it's recorded what, what his thoughts were as Noah is born. And actually, I believe as Noah is given his name, because Noah's name is similar to the Hebrew word for rest. And so here, Lemek has said, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief. Now, was Noah made out of the ground? No, Adam, Adam and Eve were made out of the ground. But it's interesting as, as Lemek notes here for us, again, it's a reminder for us, we're, we're just dust. <laughs> All right? Dust, we come into the world. Dust, we go out of the world. And so as we look at it, even though Noah is born in his mother, all right, comes from his mother, Lemek is very clear of saying, okay, out of the ground, the Lord has cursed. This one shall bring us relief. And so here's the ground that has been cursed. And we know that's come from Cain and his encounter with Abel. We saw that curse that was going to be passed on, especially through Cain's line, the, the curse of the ground and all the toil that would need to take place in order for people to survive, in order for you to get the food that needed, you needed. Because there wasn't a super Walmart or there wasn't a giant eagle just available down the street. Okay, You had to actually go out and work and do things. Some of you like are like, I don't know if you're just listening intently or you're just like glassy eyed, but maybe I'll put my glasses on and I can see a little better. But the truth is, again, we take all of that for granted in the fact that we go to the store and we get whatever we need. These, these, especially this early generations, they had to toil and work day after day after day, Striving to get enough so that they could have enough to supply for their family to feed them. That's why I think it's always good to go off the grid. To get a taste, especially for our young people. Get a little taste of what it's like. Live, out, live without your electronics. Live without the grocery store. So we see here, here is Noah. This one shall bring us relief or rest. It's, a, it's so similar to Noah's name here, that word for relief. Relief from our work and from the painful toils of our hands. So here, there's a, a kind of a foreshadowing of this man, Noah, 
Maybe he's the one who will help, who will help us. And then we see down what we just read here. Verse 8 of chapter 6. God explains, and, and the writer helps us to see God's heart. He looks down at a man, and man is totally corrupt. I often wonder what this looked like. People have asked me, how bad was it? It was really, really bad. And part of it was the violence that was going on. People ask me today, how close are we to the end times? Well, when you start seeing the violence, some of it is what we're seeing today. When you continually see that, I believe that's a sign, that's a birth pang of our world and the coming of Jesus. I will always tell you, though, we don't know when the end time is. Yes, there are birth pangs. There are things that we can see that signal it's coming. But I believe that there could be a revival today and the world change. Do you? I hope you do, and I hope you're praying for that. And so while we may think that the end times, because our world is getting worse, just as we see all throughout the Old Testament, there is a remnant of people who stay faithful to God, who God works through and uses to, to convict people of their sin and to share uh, the message of repentance, of turning back to God. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're part of that remnant today. Now, we don't know if that remnant will become smaller and smaller. We pray that it doesn't. We pray that the generations to come will know Jesus and will see a great outpouring of God's grace and his mercy so that the generation after us will be greater in, in size and in number and in devotion to Jesus Christ. That's my prayer. And so... Are we at the end times? Yes, because Paul said that. So when we look at how bad it was, it was really, really bad. And I think it was a lot worse than what we even experience here today. All right. And so it's so bad that God says, I'm sorry that I even made man. I cannot believe how far he has turned away from me. And yet there is such a stark contrast and it runs throughout the thread of the Bible that we read. In that, 20 sec, in that eight verse, in verse eight, and then we see it in verse 22. That eighth verse starts, it says, but, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Sometimes maybe you feel like you're Noah and you're all alone. This is, this is a beautiful reminder to us. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why did he find favor in the eyes of the Lord? Well, verse 9 and 10 help us with that. It says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a what kind of man? He was a what man? Righteous man blameless in his generation. Now, does that mean that Noah did everything right? He was sinless. The answer is no, no. But did he pursue God with all of his heart? The answer is yes, he did. Just as we saw the account of Job, Job was an, a righteous and upright man. 
Here, Noah was a righteous and upright man, seeking to honor God, seeking to trust him, seeking to follow him. Noah walked with God. I love this phrase. We talked about it last week with Enoch. And I wonder, because I've never done a study on it, but I wonder after seeing it these last two weeks, how many times it's in the Old Testament um, where someone walked with God. Maybe you can do a study on that and let me know after you write a book about it and I'll, I'll, I'll buy it, okay? But think about it. Enoch walked with God. Here's Noah. What's, what's the writer tell us about how he's living his life? He walked with God. And so, as again, I, I challenge you just as I did last week. When we think about what does it mean as we live our lives each and every day, this is the most critical part of how we live our lives, walking with God. Can that be defined of your life? Can your life, when, when, it, when it's the end of the days, can it be said, this person, put your name there, they walked with God. I think that's one of the highest compliments that we could ever have and something that we could strive to obtain. Here we see Noah walked with God. He knew God. And that's why God found favor upon Noah. So in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that, uh, that by faith, Noah lived his life. He was being warned by God concerning events, events as yet unseen. Some people will take this and to say this is rain because some people will claim dogmatically that it had never rained on the earth. And they'll take a passage from earlier in Genesis and, and claim that means because God watered uh, the garden before Adam and Eve were even created. God watered the garden through the mist uh, coming from the ground. I don't think we should be dogmatic. Remember, be careful how, how we look at the scriptures. All right. Read it. Interpret it, understand it, and live it. When we look at this aspect, I don't know that this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about as far as being warned by God concerning events yet unseen. I think it's the judgment upon the people. It's this overall judgment that God has warned and told Noah, I'm going to judge these people and they are going to die. And I'm going to save you and I'm going to save your family. But you need to do this. And so things unseen, what had been yet unseen, while it may have been the rain, again, I don't want to be dogmatic either way. Maybe it was rain, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the coming judgment upon all of these people because that hadn't taken place yet. It never happened. And yet the world was what? It was evil. It was bad. And yet who was judging these people? Who was holding their them accountable. Well, God was going to hold them accountable. And so by faith, being warned by God concerning these events yet unseen, we see that the world, the whole earth would be destroyed. Not just the people in it, but even the face of the earth, Genesis tells us. And so being warned by God concerning events yet unseen in reverent fear, this Greek word means an act of reverence, means to be moved with fear, to take heed or take care or to respect. 
I think sometimes, this is just me personally, let me step over here. Sometimes we don't want to say, man, we should fear God. Because a lot of what we read, especially in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, beginning of wisdom, fearing God. And we would say, oh, that's reverence. That's a holy reverence. I think today we've lost a little bit of what it means to fear God, though. We're going to go through the book of, of Romans here later on this year. And, and Romans 5 is great because, uh, again, it helps us to see Romans 5 and Romans 8. Listen, we don't have to look at God as a God who comes at us, whipping us, ready to get on us every moment that we sin. But do you understand and do you realize how big and who God is? Because there should be a holy fear that overcomes us. While we sing of God as our friend, and that is so true, we need to have a healthy fear that God is holy and just and righteous, that God hates sin, that God will judge, and God does discipline his children. So just as I feared my father in healthy ways, Knowing that if I lived my life in certain ways, there would be repercussions. I'm thankful for that, Father. I know some of you, we sang a beautiful Father. And I can't help but to think as we sang that, I just prayed for those who did not have a good Father here on this earth. Because my heart breaks for you. And I wonder as you sing that do you see the beauty of, of having a father that loves us and that loves you so much? I'm thankful and grateful that God gave me a father that showed me the father. And I hope that you see the father, yes, as your friend, but also in holy reverence that one day we stand before and we give an account for how we lived our lives. We don't just flippantly just live our lives without this view of who God is and, and how he works. We've got to always keep the view of God before us. And we want to continue to work on our theology, our belief of who God is. Because proper theology helps us to proper living. And so proper theology tells us that we are to fear God. And we see Noah, as the writer of Hebrews helps us to see here, this is a true fear of God. Imagine again, here's Noah. He sees the corruption of the world and God speaks to Noah because he's walking with him. And as God speaks to him, he tells Noah, he's going to destroy the whole earth, but I'm going to save you. You need to do these things though. Great fear would come over you, wouldn't it? The thing about Noah, though, is it didn't happen in just a, a week or a couple months. It was probably over a hundred years. Over a hundred years that Noah worked on this ark. And so day after day, he's there working, building this ark, building this boat, and all the people around him going on. We're going to look at some of those passages where it mentions Noah and the New Testament. As we look at this, in reverent fear, the writer of Hebrews tells us, 
he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. He trusted by faith that God was going to destroy the earth, but that God would save his family. It wasn't like he negotiated with God and God gave him several different choices. He gave him one choice. And it reminds me of what Jesus says when he says in the book of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There aren't multiple ways to God. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. If you want to be saved, just as Noah and his family were saved, you want to be saved from eternity in hell away from God, trust in Jesus. Trust what Jesus did for you in your place. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you a relationship with God for eternity in heaven. And that only comes through Jesus, though. There aren't multiple ways. And so in reverent fear, I, as a child, had this vision because I loved Tom and Jerry. It was my cartoon that I watched when I was a kid. And Tom, one time, had a little angel on his shoulder, and he had a little demon on the other shoulder. And one time, he actually caught Jerry and ate him for a second, and then he spit him out later. But he ate him, and he ended up going to this cartoon place of hell. And there in hell was this demon figure who had a pitchfork. Ouch, I just bit my tongue. Who had a pitchfork, it's a tough word to say for me, and a, a tail that was pointy at the end. And as my Sunday school teacher was teaching us, that picture came to my mind. And she told us about how Jesus had come and died in our place. How he took our sin upon him when he was on the cross. And how we could have a home in heaven with him forever and not go to the real place of hell. And as soon as she said hell, it was like I saw that picture. I'm like, I don't want to go there. Because Tom was sweating like crazy and he was like hurting. Oh, 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 how he did, you know, when he got hurt. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Others are like, you are just weird. Yes, I am. All this to say. Listen, when we look at the beauty of being a child of God, don't downplay the fact that, yes, there is a real place called hell. And those who don't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior are going there for all of eternity. We come to God in reverent fear, acknowledging and seeing God we believe there is only one way to have eternity in heaven with you. And so well, I'm going to place my faith and trust in you. Is it life insurance? It's more than life insurance. I don't want to just cash it in when I'm done here on this earth. It's relationship. God offers to me an eternal relationship and he offers it to you too. And I hope and I pray that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not only so that you don't have to experience eternity in hell separated from God forever. 
It is a real place, and it's coming. That judgment is coming. Not only for that, to escape that, but to enjoy all the relationship that we've, that Andrew and our praise team helped us to see the beauty of that relationship that we can have with God. Noah, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And it reminds me of this, of what the writer of James says. Faith, by faith, Noah constructed the ark. By faith, with faith, faith without works is dead. Our works do not save us, but our works show and can demonstrate our faith. They should demonstrate our faith. We see this with Noah. Noah demonstrated his faith by his work. By this, he condemned the world. See, his faith showed the unbelief of others. That's what we do as we live our lives. Our faith condemns the world. Because it's not by our righteousness that we live, but it's because of the righteousness of Jesus. We're not better than anybody else, but we acknowledge the one who is best. See, the next part of that verse says, he became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The righteousness of Jesus. He became heir. He was privileged. It was going to be given to him as a son follows a father who is king. He takes the throne. So Noah became heir of the righteousness that comes by his works? No, doesn't say that. His righteousness came by faith. Noah is spoken of in 10 different passages or verses throughout the scripture. If you have your Bible and you're wanting or able and willing, turn over to Matthew, if you would. Matthew chapter 24. In verses 37 and 38. Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 and 38, and then Luke 17, which we'll also look at, Luke 17, 26 and 27, talk about the coming of the Son of Man. And so Matthew records for us, and then Luke also records the same, uh, the same encounter and the same words from Jesus about the coming of Jesus, the coming back of him. So Matthew 24, verse 37 and 38, it says this, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now let me pause for a second. What was the days of Noah like? <laughs> Nobody was following God except for who? Noah, right? They were evil days. So it were in the days of Noah, so will be coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days... The, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. And so will be the coming of the Son of Man. What a cool picture, right? Now, if you would flip over and let's just read it again. It's pretty much word for word over in Luke, Luke chapter 17, 
verse 26 and 27. Jesus is saying in verse 22, the days are coming when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And so we see here in verse 26 and 27, just as in the day, as was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And then he goes on, Jesus talks about Lot and the deliverance of Lot, how they were eating and drinking during those days, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. Just as it was in Noah's day, so it is coming. We know that. We've been given that insight, which must spur us on to the questions that I will get at at the end. Let's flip over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's see what Peter has to say about Noah. 1 Peter chapter 3, and then Peter will talk about Noah uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, which we'll look at in a moment. But let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 20. But I want to back up for you, and if you have your Bible, it's not going to be up on the screen, but I want to back up in verse 18 and start there. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. So what do we see here? Well, this is Christ ultimately going, and he's preaching before the spirits of those who were in Noah's day. And he's going to preach to them, not, not, not a, a, a sermon of repentance, because we're going to see here in a moment, Noah already preached that. Noah was already proclaiming that. No, this was because, why? Because they did not obey. Even though God was patient, why did it take Noah so long to build the ark? Maybe this is why. Maybe it wasn't just because it was one man and his sons working on it. But it shows our God and his desire for people to acknowledge their need for a savior. That's why elsewhere we see in scripture that God has not yet come back desiring that all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Meaning we have a purpose and we have a reason for being here. And it's more than just going to bed and rising up and going to work or going to school or getting married or having a feast. There's more to life for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And that is proclaiming Jesus to a world that needs to hear him. So flip over now to 2 Peter. Christ preached to the spirits in the prison during Noah's day. Now we see here in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to the chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah... 
a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a good, uh, the flood upon the earth, upon the world of the ungodly. And in verse 6, if the, by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ash, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued the righteous lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the, of the wicked, when we look at the coming judgment of God, it is real. There are false prophets. Peter's warning here, his whole thrust of this section is about the false prophets we see in verse 1 of chapter 2. There will be false teachers among you who will bring destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them. Do you hear that today? Have you heard that through the years and through the generations after Jesus? Yes. Will you continue to hear it? Yes. There will be false teachers. That's why we must know the word. That's my, why we must study the word. That's why it must always be about Jesus and who Jesus is in the fullness of who he is. For if God did not spare the angels, and if he didn't spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah... And what does it say? A herald of righteousness or a preacher of righteousness. So if he was preaching righteousness, I wonder what he did. Uh, again, some will say, some scholars will say that he worked on the boat during the day and at night he would go and he would preach to the people. All I know is even if Noah never said a word to the people, he said something through his life. His life was proclaiming for a people that, who is this madman? Who is this psycho who's out here building this large, this large boat? It spoke of his righteousness that was found only through his faith. It spoke of the kind of man that he was. It spoke of his walking with God. And it challenges us. It challenges me. As you live your life. And while we may not be called to make an ark of gopher wood. If you have been, let me know, okay? But I don't think we've been called to do that. But you've been called to do something else. And ultimately, we've been called to be ambassadors for God. We represent God to this world. What we see here is God's not going to spare those who reject him. We have an opportunity to live our lives in a way that shows the world who Jesus is. We get to proclaim the righteousness that is not ours, but that's of Jesus. So two questions about your faith. The first is this. Who are you trusting for your righteousness? Who are you trusting for your righteousness? Hebrews tells us that ultimately it was Noah who was heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Our righteousness is only because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That our sin and wrongdoing has been covered and paid in full. It hasn't just been covered. It's been dealt with. It's been expunged. So that when you and I stand before the almighty God, the creator of the world, 
and we stand before him, before him is written my name in the blood of Jesus. It's not because of the good works that I have done, lest I should boast, Paul writes in Ephesians, but it's because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So, who are you trusting for your righteousness? Are you trusting yourself? Let me tell you, you will continually fall short because you are not righteous enough and you never will be. I hate to break it to you. You will never be righteous enough to save yourself from eternity in hell. There's the righteousness of one man. His name is Jesus. And he offers it to you and to me. How amazing is that? Number two, question about your faith. How is your faith being displayed? How is your faith being displayed? Noah's faith was by fear, or by faith, in reverent fear, he constructed an ark. His faith was displayed in his actions. How many of us walk around today and we struggle with whatever our circumstances are. And we fail to get our, our perspective away from those circumstances and to keep our eyes on Jesus. Instead, we're so engrossed with our circumstances, we can say, I don't even know how God's going to do this. How is God going to even protect me out of this boat? How is God even going to flood this whole earth? How is God going to deal with all these people? Listen. Don't bring God to the level of your circumstances. When God says something, we're called to respond in faith. Faith that is displayed. You need to display it. What is God asking you to do? And how are you displaying that faith? And let me encourage you from what we saw last week. If your walk requires no faith, then you are not pleasing God. I'm not saying go out and make dumb decisions. God gave us a brain. He put a head on our shoulders. He wants us to use it. But there are times that we lack faith in trusting what God has told us to do. And I'm telling you, you want to walk with God. You want to please him. Live a life of faith. And that means you can't see everything that God is going to do. You can't see in the midst of your circumstances how God's going to provide. But you continue to act in a way that represents him, a way that honors him, a way that glorifies him. Your speech is one that speaks truth. I love what Noah, what it says here. He did all that God commanded him to do. Genesis 6.22, and then we see it in Genesis 7, verse 5, and Genesis 7, verse 9, and Genesis 7, verse 16. Over and over again, it tells us he did all that God commanded him to do. So for you, are you doing all that God has commanded you to do? I'm not saying you go back to the law and you memorize all these lists of rules. But I believe that God has commanded us 
with some great commandments. And it's really summed up in these two. Love God and love others. Love God with all of who you are and love others. And so are you doing all that God has commanded us to do? If you need it simple, that's what it is. If you want it more, dig in the word, dig deeper. See what it means to treat somebody and to love them. See what it means to love God and to follow him by faith. I don't say all of this flippantly. This is a life ongoing challenge, is it not? But this is the challenge that is before us. It was almost like God reset the face of the earth with Noah. Noah gets off the ark and the first thing that he does is he offers a sacrifice to God. Because God kept his word and Noah knew it. God preserved Noah's life and his family. Do you know that God keeps his word? Has he kept it with you? Do you know it? Have you seen it? Let's be obedient. Let's continue to keep trusting our Lord because he's worthy. He's worthy of our life. I don't think you will ever regret continuing to live by faith and allowing your actions to show that faith. So what is God asking you to do? How is he asking you to live by faith today? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Sometimes, Lord, it's hard to hear. And yet, Lord, we know you are faithful. We know you are good. We know we can trust you. There are times in our flesh, Lord, we wrestle. We wrestle on this earth. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, though. Our wrestling is with such a higher power. There are forces of darkness that we see the works of all around us. There is a desire by Satan in his lies and deceit to trip us up. To keep us from following you. To keep us from doing what you desire for us. And yet, Lord, you've told us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you, Lord, for being the greatest. Thank you that we can come to you. And in coming to you, help us to be quick to acknowledge our sin, to acknowledge our shortcomings, to repent from our disobedience.
Is that you this morning? As we sit in the quietness of this moment, do you need to repent and turn from your sin? Is God telling you to let go of it? Lord, as we seek to honor you through our life, I pray that we would be people of faith. Knowing that we can please you as we walk with you and as you lead us and as you talk to us. Help us not to be people who are controlled by our situations and circumstances. Help us to be people who have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And may we, in our actions, our attitude, our speech, may we display For a world that needs to see the living God, may they see displayed before them what it means to be a child of yours. That isn't done in ordinary daily things. It's done when we walk with you and when we obey you. And so as each one is here today, it is my prayer, Lord, that you would help us just as Noah in reverent fear obeyed you, may we do that today. No matter the cost, no matter how it seems like we may be in opposition, may we be true to your truth to your word, and to the calling that you have for each of our lives. In the moments when we doubt, in the moments where we struggle, increase our faith, Lord. Give us a glimpse. A glimpse of your view. I thank you, Lord, for these that have joined in worship. Thank you for the opportunity to do this together as the body of Christ. May you bless and watch over each one. And may we see you do marvelous and wonderful things this week. We pray this in the name of Jesus. All of God's people said, amen.